Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. And again, happy Father's Day to those of you watching online or if you're on Fox, uh, thank you for taking the moment to, uh, to watch this. You know, when you show up at church these days, I don't take that for granted. Thank you. Anybody that ends up here or watching, you are sincerely, you're, you're trying to find God. Maybe you, don't, maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe these are the kinds of things that you say, you know, I've tried everything else. Maybe there's something in church or in God or in Christianity that in the midst of everything that's confusing, there's something there. And I think there is. My name is Dr. Rice Brooks and uh, I'm a part of this ministry team. Pastor James Lowe, who is normally here, is on his little time of getting away, but he'll be back and I say happy Father's Day to him, a great father. And uh, we have great fathers in this house. But today, as we talk, I, I really want to, to encourage fathers. In fact, one of the things that I do is I get to travel to university campuses around this country. And ha I wrote a series of books that, one of them called God's Not Dead, and so I take that seminar and I go to secular universities and have this dialogue with people about the existence of God and about the truth of Christianity. And then I, when we're done with about an hour and a half presentation, I have a physicist with me. And when we're done, we have microphones and people can ask questions. And usually the meeting goes from seven at night. So I was at Cal State Northridge uh, in California. And so this was not long, a few weeks ago. And so the meeting starts at seven, ends by the time, let's say at nine o'clock. And then students usually leave maybe at 11 o'clock just asking questions. And one phenomenon I found is that many times the things I talked about, they wouldn't even ask questions about. And it's almost like for you that are in church, you come to church and you have questions, there's crisis, there's challenges, and you, you kind of wait for somehow, maybe you could talk to somebody. So you hear a sermon that maybe doesn't apply. I don't know how many times I've sat in church services where the person talking is not talking about what I need to hear, so I'm kind of tapping my toe, waiting on maybe that, you know, somebody here will talk to me about what's bugging me. And that's really where the meeting for me begins with young people is as soon as this thing is over and the singing and all that. And I think it's the truth no matter what your age. And I think, so today, it would be as if the meeting is over and I'm just talking to you as a father. And I've had these kind of conversations many, many times. And usually when those are unpacked, the, the, the things, the questions and the concerns kind of repeat themselves. And that's not to diminish what you're going through, but the good news for you as a father is, is that you're not alone. That people are searching and are feeling a lot of the same things you feel. So the first thing I say, and by the way, this is, uh, this is alert. The, the, this is an alert, a good news for you. Here's my Father's Day gift right from the beginning. This message is not gonna be long. <laughs> Before I, you know, I'm gonna, my dad, when I, I, my story is basic. I was a, 
third year student at Mississippi State, trying to be an athlete, not very good. Somebody talked to me about Jesus and every question I had was, I realized that, that I, I had a wrong picture of Jesus. I had framed Christianity based on my worst experiences of it. My older brother was an atheist in law school at Southern Methodist University, SMU in Dallas, top of his class. My dad was an oil, in the oil business. He, we lived in Algeria. My dad was a very self-sufficient man, the kind that you didn't really talk to about anything of a personal nature. My brother found out I was a Christian. My third year came home to talk me out of my faith. On the weekend, my brother, he started studying the Bible to find the contradictions in it. Now, he not only was in his last year of law school, but he had a master's degree in, in psychology. So my brother's hobby was harassing Christians. If you said you were a Christian, he tried to get you to kind of get unbaptized, if you will. Long story short, my brother comes home to talk me out of my faith. My parents leave to kind of help. He hopefully is going to help settle me down and talk me out of this religious phase. Well, anyway, on the weekend that my brother Ben came home to talk me out of my faith, we baptized him. And when he, when he came up out of the water, he said, you haven't answered my questions, but I think I was asking the wrong questions. And so we had a family meal a few weeks later and my dad did not know what had happened to my brother. And so my brother at the family table, kind of when they questioned about God came up, my dad looked and said to my brother, well, I thought you'd kind of help me. What's, why is he still talking like this? Talking about me referencing God. And so my brother's moment of truth came and he just kind of raised his hands like this. He said, hallelujah. So my dad, was his worst nightmare. His older son, who was his pride and joy, so to speak, came to Christ. But then shortly after that, my dad at 57 came to Christ and he came in and he told my mother, he said, you know, he said, all my life I prayed that God would show me some kind of sign. And he said, I think he did in the form of my two sons. And he said, I don't know much about God. He said, but last night I got down on my knees and asked Jesus Christ to forgive me for my pride and my arrogance. So at 57, my dad came to faith. All that to say, he came to hear me speak later on. And he said, son, you're not bad. <laughs> he said, but I think you have a fear of stopping. <laughs> now my dad went on to teach Sunday school when he was in his 70s and he taught the old men in the church. Now you got folks that are so old in there, they're calling my 72 year old dad, Sonny boy. So my dad got up one day, he said, I got so much to say, I don't know where to start. And said, one of these old boys in the back said, why don't you start near the end? <laughs> so I am going to start near the end. All that diversion to say, when I talk to a dad, if you're here today and we could have some time, or those of you watching, you said, I just want to talk to somebody. After listening to you, I can predict this one response. One's a two-word response, or I'll give you a three-word response. The two-word response is, I understand. I understand. The three-word response would be, I get it. Because the weight you're feeling, the regret many times, the, the things that as you get older, you begin to look back, and people that, it's easy to say, I have no regrets on the stage when you're kind of beating your chest and hey, I'm, I'm gonna be tough. But you know, when you're at home at night and your lights are out and you're staying awake and you're going through your life, the weight of 
not just the past, but just the present, what you're dealing with. This is an unprecedented time. The philosopher Heraclitus said that you can't step in the same river twice, meaning that, that, that the nostalgic view of what things used to be is gone. And so in times of change, there's a, there's a, a quote that I cannot forget. In times of change, learners inherit the earth. While the learned or the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. So change itself is changing. And it's changing so fast that, that, that we get overwhelmed. Our, our souls, our internal mechanisms, it's hard to keep up. And then you add the pressures of society, the cultural transitions. And so here we are as fathers trying to make sense of it all. And so you're not alone. If you're confused, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're thinking to yourself, how can I reinvent myself in an economy that, you know, there's this great resignation and people are resigning and trying to get new jobs and there's this, you know, everything is in, is in this flux. And that's why the foundational song we just sung about just a moment ago is so critical. But number one, I understand. If, that's, if there's nothing else, I, I don't know how many times if I sat in conversations and just listened to somebody, not giving them my glib, little clever response, uh, which I could give many of those, but yet I've just not seen those work. Many times it's just the listing and saying, look, I get it. I get it. it it's real. The pain is real. The challenge is real. Yeah. The second thing I would say is, is that you're probably, let me put it this way. We're very good when people say, I can't remember something. Oh, yes, you can. You're just remembering the wrong thing. You see, we have this great talent to remember what we should forget and forgetting what we should remember. So, look, I have a code. You know, there, you know there's the Bible and there's, this is the word of God. Yes, we believe that. But there's also all men understand the code. Men, do I have a little bit of a, you don't have to say, man, just raise your eyebrow. Let me see that eyebrow, okay? Now, the code is, for instance, somebody brought me my coffee one day, and I was at a coffee shop, and their hand was right up where my lips go. Or even worse, when they kind of, like their palm in a basketball. Now, I don't want, I don't want to get into the, I actually, had, I actually had one one time that, their fingernails had gone down into the liquid, like, like we were at a salon, like we were at a nail, getting our nails done. And I just, I just stepped back. And then I looked, I, I did like this. Really, I didn't get mad. I just whispered. I said, we're going to start all over. <laughs> New cup, we're going to start all over. And I had to explain the code. You don't put your fingers where, that's the code. Now, I have other things that I live by. Number one, never, never eat anything with teeth like a dog. Squirrels, raccoons, possums, don't do it. Number two, if you're worried that what you're going to pour down the sink will stop up the sink, don't eat that either. I mean, people just say, well, it may stop up the sink. Okay, let's just eat it then. Put it up. <laughs> Thirdly, if I hire you to help me lift the piano up the stairs, I know who's lifting and who's laying on top of it. 
And most people that I find in my life, not all, but many of them, it's like, wait a minute, you, gotta, you can tell who's lifting that piano and who's just laying on top of it. Just, don't, just don't work against me. Now, there's another thing in the code is this, is that if you, and I, and I live this way, if you ever do anything good for me, I will never let you forget it. Now, most people live the other way. If you ever do anything bad, I'll never let you forget it. Now, let me offer you some gifts as a father. And again, I promise this wouldn't be long. So the plane is already landing. This is a quick flight. Tray tables, seat backs, everything under, back up in the, in the luggage rack. Here we go. What would I say to you? What would I say to you today in light of all this? Number one, the greatest gift that we get as men from God is forgiveness. There was a story in the New Testament where Jesus is teaching in a house. And it says there were so many people in the house that people couldn't get in. And there was a, a man that had, he had, said he was paralyzed and his four buddies put him on this, like a stretcher, I guess. And they, they take him down to where Jesus is and they can't get in the house. It says, so they brought him up on top of the roof and then start breaking open the roof and lowering him down in front of Jesus. Now, let me tell you something, man, when you've got, a, when you've got friends that want to help you so bad that they'll, they, that they'll literally pick you up and then now, now and people, the Bible says when they lowered him down, it says Jesus saw their faith. Now, somebody said, well, the men had faith getting in, but what about the, what about the paralyzed man? Oh, he had faith. I mean, he's going to let his buddies, when he's already paralyzed, drag him up on top of that roof. If it had been me, I'd have said, all right, boys, hold on a minute. Now, this is, y'all aren't qualified for this. If you get me on that roof and I fall, that's it. So the man who was, you know, incapacitated had the faith to be carried up on top of that roof and lowered down. And here's what Jesus said. He lowers this man down in this paralyzed condition and he says, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your bed and walk. Let me tell you, men, some of you are paralyzed. You don't know what to do. You can't even move off the couch. Your mind's locked up. And a lot of that, and I, and I have great friends that are psychiatrists. Dr. Daniel Amen, A-M-E-M, look him up. I just was with him. Every man needs a good psychiatrist friend. His YouTube videos are millions. He has clinics all over the country. And he talks about, and he's a spirit-filled believer. Talking about what paralyzes a man is the past. And you can hear the words of Jesus to you saying, your sins are forgiven. You haven't done enough. If you even care that you have something that you need to get right about, that's evidence of the Spirit of God at work in you. Your sins are forgiven. Secondly, is, is that there's there's a, there's a hope for you. There is a hope. You see, hope is a powerful thing. You see, when somebody gets discouraged, it's like no matter how much I think I know this church building, if you turn the lights out in here and it's dark, even familiar things you could trip over. And hope is that light. Hope is something to where all of a sudden that there's this thing that turns on in your soul. It's like, it's like, it's like the, a, a person, another doctoral reference, uh, doctor reference, Ming Wang, one of my closest friends, 
who has fixed my eyes and done so much for people all around the world. I put him on TBN. I put him on TBN and, and over a hundred nations emailed him because of his work. And I get to spend regular time with Dr. Wang and in, in the midst of, you know, talking about people in blindness and darkness and just that, you know, the smallest amount of light, the power of that light, the power of that hope. And then number three is, is that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, God will help you get out of your mess. The book of James, now James, Jesus had four brothers that we know of. Well, Jesus, he had, he had a brother named, had a brother named James, one named Joseph. This is in the, in the Bible. He actually had a brother named Judas. That was probably tough, you know, knowing that your brother's name, the same name as the other fella. And then he had Simon was his brother. And then it says his sisters, they, when they, they, they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? And there aren't his brothers and they list it. And the gospels in this aren't his sister, so that means it had to be more than one. So Jesus was one of seven. Now James, his brother, grew up in a family and he was considered a skeptic. Historians talk about this because when you look for evidence of who Jesus was, you look at things like James, who was his skeptical brother after he saw Jesus raised from the dead, not only became a believer, but wrote the book of James that we have in the New Testament and became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he's referenced several times, especially let's say Acts 15, Acts 21. That's James the Lord's brother. And James the Lord's brother who grew up in a house with Jesus says this in his letter in the book of James toward the end of the Bible. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men, women, liberally, and here's the, here's the phrase, without finding fault. Meaning that no matter what mess you've got yourself in, your mistakes and my mistakes won't stop God from helping you if you'll simply ask him. But the caveat is you've got to ask in faith. Now, some of you who think to yourself, well, if I got to do all this good stuff, you know what is funny to me? I've watched people that do all and check all the right boxes on their religious checklist to make them feel good about themselves. And many times they're the last ones to actually receive the help because they're depending on that. Whereas I watch people who know they don't deserve anything. They know they don't deserve a thing. And it's, it's funny how that kind of faith and that kind of humility attracts God. It says he gives, he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. All you have to do today is ask. And then finally, is, is it, there is strength for you. The Apostle Paul we quote this verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we get this picture of Rocky on the steps and you know, powerful and all this. When the apostle Paul in Philippians wrote that, he was, had a chain around his leg in a prison cell. And he'd been there for over two years, just left there. I bet that was funny, the, the devil thought, you know, I gotta shut this guy up, I'll just lock him in prison. And he just ends up writing the Bible, yeah. writing the scripture. 2,000 years later, we have these letters of what he did 
when the enemy thought, I'll take him out of commission. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is a New Testament. I, I carry, when I was younger, we, we uh, why don't you stand up here? This will help me close. This is subliminally helping me. When I was growing up, we had these little green New Testaments. Remember those green, little green Bibles, the New Testament, or maybe they were brown. This is a little expander one, and this has the Psalms in it. And there's something about where you go to get strength, because really the most important thing for you as a dad, to know you're forgiven, to have that light that comes into the midst of your situation, that no matter how blind and groping you are and trying to grope around, figure out there's a, there, God has that hope and that light for you. Wisdom meaning no matter what, how you bad you've messed it up, your mistakes and my mistakes won't stop God from giving us directions if we'll ask in faith. You know, there's something about I love, you know, there's a word in the Bible called repentance. It means turn around. And I just, I just think about Siri when I think about that because, you know, Siri doesn't really judge me. Siri, when Siri tells me to turn around, it's not like you, you better turn around, you going to blah, blah, blah. I mean, it just, Siri just says, make a U-turn, make a U-turn. It is a calm voice calmly telling me, turn around, turn around. But there's strength for you. There's strength, and that's why if you'll just open up, you know, it's like you see these movies where, you know, the, the guy's running from the bad guy or the monster. You know, if, you, if the monster, you think the monster's dead in the movie and you look down and there's 30 more minutes in the movie, he's not gone. <laughs> he's coming back. Just know that. He's coming back. And so no matter what happened in the past, the enemies, the, the fight you've been in, you still are going to need strength. And you're going to need a greater strength than any strength you can, can look to. And that's why you see it at the last minute, somebody just reaching for a weapon and they're barely, you know, that scene where the weapon's here and the bad guy's got him by the leg or the monster and you're trying to get, to get that weapon to take him out. You know those scenes all the time. There's always that drama. Will he get the gun or will the bad guy get him first? That's how I see this New Testament. Can I get to it? Because see, what happens when you turn open this, here's what this does. Reading this consistently will change the voice in your head. It'll change the voice in your head. It's, for a dad, it's like you got to change the oil. You, got, you, you, are, you are running in your life on oil that's so burned out. Thoughts and thought processes and loops. Old narratives, old loops in your head. And as we close, come on up here, my buddy. As we close today, one of the results of that, one of the results of that will be a joy. Right. We've walked together. This is my friend Guy. So we met each other in 1993. We've been his sons. His, one of his sons works with me and travels. And no matter where we are, I have done this so many times. I look down and see him. I'll say, sing that. In these days of confused situations, in these nights of a restless remorse, when the heart and the soul 
of a nation lay wounded and cold as a corpse. Now from the grave of the innocent Adam comes a song bringing joy to the sad. Oh, your cry has been heard and the ransom has been paid up in full. Be ye glad, oh, be ye glad, oh, be ye glad for every debt that you've ever had has been paid up in full by the grace of our Lord. Be ye glad, be ye glad, be ye glad. Now from your dungeon a rumor is stirring and your eyes show the sorrow they've had. Oh, but this time the cell key's there turning. He has opened up the gates. Be ye glad. Oh, be ye glad. Oh, be ye glad. For every debt that you've ever had has been paid up in full by the grace of our Lord. Be ye glad, be ye glad, be ye glad. So be like lights on the rim of the water, bringing hope in a storm sea of night. Be a refuge amidst the slaughter of these fugitives in their fight. For you are timeless and part of a puzzle. You are winsome and young as a lad. And there is no disease or no struggle that can pull you from God. Be we've ever had has been paid up in full by the grace of our Lord. Be ye glad, be ye glad, be Penrod, God Penrod, we love you. On behalf of Pastor Brian, Pastor James, please hang around. We've got people to talk to you. We've got guest reception. Don't leave here with any question unanswered or any need, at least not prayed for, and let us talk to you. We love you. See you next Sunday. See you Wednesday night. God bless you. Happy, happy, happy Father's Day.